0: Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy that you're listening. Well, one of the things that bothers me about the government and their association with the media, their control over the media, is this narrative-type thing that always happens. You know, something happens in the world, and the media very quickly has some sort of spin on it, right? Like, uh, you know, the January 6th thing, I mean, it wasn't even, it was barely noon and there were some people already calling it an insurrection. Donald Trump supporters were trying to overthrow the federal government, and it's almost like these. To me, it's almost like these uh, these narratives are there, that and they're just ready to go. Like like somebody from the State Department calls the media. They have a big, I don't know, voicemail conference or something, and. It there they go the 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 narratives are already launched and there's no investigative work it's just according to the state department you know this happened or that happened and this is why or in, according to local authorities you know there's never a name there's nobody to follow up with and say hey did you say this you know is this is this what you observed you know there's no there's no there's nothing like that it's just according to local authorities according to the state department you know these giant I mean, local authorities might not be giant. It could be 100 people work there or something. But who do you go ask? You know, who do you follow up with? And, of course, the State Department. I mean, I don't know. They got a couple hundred thousand employees or something, not including the military. So this is something that just irritates me about our free press because they're given this freedom. You know, we have freedom of the press so that the the press can hold – the government's feet to the fire. They can keep them honest and keep power in check. You know, the press is like our agent in this agreement, right? Um, we've got the government and we got our checks and balances, but really the press is what helps, it's what should help keep the government in check so that, you know, the, the executive branch and Congress don't collude together to screw Americans or whatever. Um, Without the press, they're asking questions and investigating. It really just, you know, allows the government to steamroll whatever the controversy, if you want to think of it as a controversy, it doesn't have to be a controversy, right? It could just be whatever manipulation racket they're running at the time. And so, I've got some more Keith Knight, and I just just think Keith Knight is just really interesting. He's got some great points of view that I think are worth sharing, and he uses, there's a couple in here that he uses. One of them is the Pulse nightclub uh, shooting that happened in Florida, and what was reported to us versus what the shooter himself said on a 911 call. And in the shooting, in in the the actual nightclub, uh, there's at least one witness that testified that he uh, said certain things. And none of this got reported. I mean, it got watered down and and distilled down into, you know, we're a free country, we're an open society where we accept all kinds of different people, you know, our diversity is our strength and uh, this kind of thing. And this guy just didn't like homosexuals, and so he went in there and shot up the place. And and this is and this is successful actually. Um, next thing you know, there's parades of so-called journalists and talking heads on TV talking about hate crimes and just how homosexuals and trans people are constantly discriminated against, and and you know. And, of course, the flip side is, you know, there are are other groups that really are discriminated against. And I'm not saying trans people are not discriminated against. Of course they are. But it's like they never miss an opportunity to make something up, to make sure that we all believe it and that we'll never forget it. Meanwhile, there's, you know, pastors. I've seen this on Twitter and other places where pastors are being arrested on american streets for just standing on a public sidewalk and reading from the bible i mean that's that's i mean arrested by the police and taken to jail so you know that that to me is the kind of discrimination that really matters if if the state is discriminating against you that's where it's it's especially egregious you know if i discriminate against somebody really all i'm exercising is my right to free association. But if the state, you know, if the state discriminates against you for whatever reason, because of your color, your sexual orientation, um, your political beliefs, whatever the reason is, that is the most egregious kind of discrimination because there's nothing you can do about it. You know, many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the saying, you know, what are you going to do, fight city hall? You know, I mean, this is where this comes from, because you can't fight City Hall. And even more so, you can't fight uh, the federal government of the United States. You cannot fight the executive branch of the federal government of the United States. It's, It's impossible. This is why they should exercise power very, very carefully and always err on the side of liberty. But, of course, this is not what happens. Um... You know, there's a saying in politics that culture's um, upstream of politics. And what's interesting about our politics now is you've got an active political effort to shift the culture so that they can then shift the politics. And it hasn't always been that way. The culture would just happen. um, Maybe it would get nudged a little bit, but nothing like what we see today. And I, I just think these stories are interesting uh, artifacts of, of what I'm talking about, of how the media just jumps in with both feet and just eager to report the story of, of the very power they're supposed to be keeping in check. So I want to play this, uh, uh, this Pulse nightclub um, information that Keith Knight talks about. This is in his book. And I just think it's a great example. And there's there's others. I mean, there was this trans person that shot up a bunch of kids. Um, I don't know, it's about six or eight months ago. Wrote a manifesto. We still don't have it. We nobody has seen this manifesto. Supposedly somebody leaked it uh, to the press, but it, it. Believe me, if it were out in the blogosphere or the internet sphere or whatever, I would be seeing it on Twitter. It is not out there. So the police, for whatever reason, are holding back from releasing this document, and these things always come out, always come out. But if you're a trans person, no, we gotta lock it in a safe, burn it, make sure nobody ever sees it, uh, because we're just too afraid of what it says. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But I guarantee you, if a Christian person, some demented Christian person, was to go into a school and shoot up a bunch of people and there was a, a manifesto, that thing would be all over the news, all over the news. And by the way, there are messed up Christians out there, right? Any Anytime you have a large group of people, you're going to have some bad actors in there. You know, show me 100,000 people, and I'll show you a handful of bad actors. It's just a numbers game, right? So uh, hopefully you're not shocked that I'm talking about if, if there were some demented Christian uh certainly there are Christians out there that are mentally ill or, or you know, on the zealot side of things, um that that could be guilty of, you know, something horrific and, you know, atrocity like. But but that's not what we see, not not usually. And uh, and when we do see it, it's plastered all over the media. All over the media. And Again, I can't remember the town it happened in, but this trans person that shot up a bunch of little kids in a Christian school. There's nothing, nothing on this. And and we know there's a manifesto because the media talked about it, but it was never released to the public. And we still don't know what this she, he person thought about Christians.
1: So this was June 12th of 2016. You had Donald Trump leading in the polls and Barack Obama was the sitting president So to show the reader how much progressivism is sort of entrenched, both the leading Republican Donald Trump and Barack Obama more or less said the same thing, that the Pulse nightclub murder, which uh, killed 49 people, injured 53. Um, Here is how Barack Obama summarized the events. He said, this was an attack on the LGBT community. Americans were targeted because we're a country that has learned to welcome everyone, no matter who you are or who you love. And hatred towards people because of sexual orientation, regardless of where it comes from, is a betrayal of what's best in us. So that was the sitting president, who has access to the director of national intelligence, the FBI, the CIA. This was his takeaway, that the lesson we learn from this massacre is don't hate homosexuals, nor should we be fearful of homosexuals.
0: So I interrupted the punchline because this is... This is what we heard, you know, and I wanted I wanted to just say, you know, without like if we don't if I don't play anything else, this sounds reasonable, right? That this person was somebody who hated LGBTQ people and went into this nightclub where LGBTQ people were known to congregate and killed forty nine of them. I mean, it sounds plausible. I mean, look, you know, I mean, anything's possible, right? But I think Keith Knight brings up a great point. You know, you could you could excuse, I suppose, Donald Trump for saying what he said, right? Cuz he's a he's the presidential candidate, right? He's just trying to make a statement. He doesn't really know what the truth is. Why? Why doesn't he know what the truth is? Well, because he doesn't have access to all these people that Barack Obama has access to. The Director of National Intelligence, the FBI Director, uh, I mean, I don't know, the 17 agencies, intelligence agencies that, that operate under the United States government, under the, under the executive branch of the United States government. And this is what he came up with. So clearly, this is a lie. This is a known lie. Barack Obama lied and it turns out, this is not the same kind of lie, by the way, that that, Trump, that Trump's always being accused of telling. Oh, he said, he said there were more people at his inauguration than Barack Obama's. That's an ego lie, okay? This lie is a manipulation of the public. He's telling a lie. He's telling the public that somebody went in and shot up this nightclub because there's haters in America. There's people that hate Americans and hate certain Americans, especially those that belong to this group we call LGBTQ. Now that, that is a very manipulative, malicious lie that interferes with the natural order of the culture. You know, this is the president of the United States intentionally lying to the public to try to drum up uh, outrage in a, in a particular community, I, supposedly so they can go rebel rouse and create problems on the other side of things. And this is this is different. This is a different thing, okay? This is not something that's always happened in America. Uh, and, and the media just just reported on it like it was the truth. And I don't understand why... They do that. You know, they've given, they've, they're given this extraordinary liberty to, to tell the truth, to uh, hold power to account, and they just they just don't even respect it. They don't care about it, I guess. I don't know. It's just a very puzzling thing that's happening in our country. Let's listen to what Keith Knight, Keith Knight says about what actually happened now.
1: Well, the goal of terrorism is not to conceal your motives. The goal of terrorism is to bring attention to something that otherwise you thought wasn't getting attention because it's sort of like a shortcut to fame for a number of people. So he calls 911 while he's holding the survivors hostage and explicitly says, you have to tell America to stop bombing Syria and Iraq. They're killing a lot of innocent people. What am I to do here when my people are getting killed over there? You need to stop the US airstrikes. You have to tell the U.S. government to stop bombing. They are killing too many children. They are killing too many women. I feel the pain of people getting killed in Syria and Iraq. They need to stop bombing Syria and Iraq. So this actually is something that was happening in 2016. People might not have really known that Syria was on uh, the hit list. Uh, According to the Council on Foreign Relations, the U.S. government dropped 24,287 bombs on Iraq and Syria that year in 2016, alone. So here we have an explicit example of violence being perpetrated in response to the federal government initiating violence against other people.
0: There's a couple of good points here. Um, One is if you're a terrorist and and you've decided to commit some sort of atrocity, you want You want people to know why you did that, right? You want people to know, hey, look, I'm going, I'm taking extreme measures because there's simply no way to communicate to Americans that this is happening in my country. And I'm concerned about my fellow uh, human beings, my neighbors, my family members. This is what drives terrorism. This is what less powerful people do when they're up against Something like an empire. I mean, look, go watch Star Wars. Just go watch it. You have got the empire that has the Death Star, right? They got the Death Star. What did What did Luke Skywalker and and all the uh, uh, Jedi fighter pilots or whatever they're called in uh, the X-wing fighters? What did they go do? Well, they figured out how to destroy the uh, the Death Star. Now, you know, they weren't, they weren't representing some country. I mean, they're just the rebels, right? The rebels are like the Houthis in Yemen. The Houthis in Yemen are a people. You know, you're not, you're not talking about Yemenese forces doing all this stuff in in Yemen. You got the Houthis. I mean, just listen to the news. Uh, The Houthis attacked some ship. Why are they attacking a ship that's just minding its own business? It's unarmed. It's Floating by, but it's not doing anything wrong. It's not. It's not harming the Houthis. Why are they? Why are they doing this? Well, because it's it's a it's an asymmetric type warfare. If you're if you're little, and you have no power, then you attack big targets, and you hit people in the pocketbook, and you and you destroy things that are important to them. Right. Um, this is this is. Uh, I mean, we went through this in Vietnam, you know, we had to fight in the jungle and, and it was like an asymmetric type, type of warfare. So this is what terrorism is. Terrorism is not, we hate you because you're a freedom. And so we're going to blow stuff up. It's, hey, you're in our country and we don't like it. And we recognize that you're a powerful nation. And so we're going to fight you the best way we can. We're going to set off IEDs. We're going to blow the legs off your, off your um, fighting warriors. We're going to destroy as much of your equipment as we possibly can. And we're going to kill civilians, if we can, to bring attention to what we're doing. Because your civilians are what control the politicians, in theory, right? They know if they can generate political support uh, to, to end a war, they know that killing civilians could, could make that happen. So and this is the same thing Ron Paul, Ron Paul brought up in 2007. You know he, he explained blowback, which was not his that's not his concept, by the way, that we came, it was a much older concept, but he explained uh, blowback to Rudy Giuliani in the in the quote unquote Giuliani moment. So look, you know things aren't always what they seem. And just know that the corporate media, is happy to take whatever official statement there is from the United States government and parrot it on TV and send it to millions and millions of its viewers. And that's not news, okay? That's not investigative journalism. That's not even journalism. That's just Pravda in America. That's all that is.
1: And The Intercept actually did some research on this, and it turns out, that 90% of those killed in these drone striking operations under Barack Obama, were people who were not the intended target. Also to qualify to be an intended target, they usually say any military age male. So that's any male 16 years or older. So instead of saying, this is a genuine divide that we have in the world, people who achieve their ends violently and people who achieve their ends peacefully, they made it about sexual orientation or who you're attracted to, just completely blowing it. This is the guy who ran on closing Guantanamo Bay, getting out of these wars that evil George Bush started so he can carry on his father's evil legacy and only caring about the military-industrial interests. They gave this progressive guy the platform to really you know, stand up for the people, and this is exactly what happened.
0: He didn't mention it here, but also in these drone strikes that Obama's administration carried out, we killed Americans over there. You know, some Americans went over there to fight on the side of somebody—I don't know, Syrians or somebody—I can't remember um, uh, who, what the what the personal stories were. But there were some Americans over there, and and look, the rule is, if you're an American, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you uh, you have rights, uh, you have rights under the Bill of Rights in America, and one of those rights is you have due process. That's what the Fourth Amendment says. And uh, due process is not exactly identifying you on a quote-unquote battlefield and taking you out with a drone and executing you as an American citizen. So this is some really awful shit happened under Barack Obama. And, you know, a lot of it was kind of covered up because it was a continuation of what George Bush did. But, you know, I think one of the, the big damaging things that happened under Barack Obama is just the change in culture, the activity that his administration um, perpetuated to actively try to change the culture. And I suppose this is what was uh, what he meant by the change that you can believe in. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know who's believing in it now, but it's, it's causing a lot of problems in America. And now the politicians think that it's, I, I suppose they think it's a... Uh, like a grassroots change. you know, this is a grassroots changing of the culture in America, and they're applying the political process to that. and you know they're not it's a mismatch, right the 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 cultural thing is really not happening. it was it was uh, in my opinion, it was kind of brought about by the political process. And so it's almost like the response to it is, not illegitimate, that's not the right word, but it's it's like a misfire. It's like a a, a response that's that's wrong, right? The political class is incorrectly responding responding to this impulse uh, that they think is happening in the culture when it's actually not happening.
1: This evidence was right here. There was a primary source, but it never occurred to me. I found one clip of a woman who was inside the club, and this was a uh, local news in Florida where she had said, yeah, he kept saying that America's bombing his country, and he was really upset about that. And uh, then, you know, the SWAT team came in and killed him. And other than that, we didn't get the truth from anyone on this. So this is the classic progressive false divide when there really is a true divide to be had.
0: Yeah, there's, there really is a true divide in America, right? And the divide is those that want to have liberty and be left alone and those that want to rule over those that have liberty and want to be left alone. You know, if you if you go back and you listen to the uh, the intro to the show, like there's a, a trailer for who gets to decide, one of the things I talk about in that intro is I said the, the the history of the world, if you want to like sum up the history of the world in just a few sentences, it's really about those who want to be free and those that want to rule over those that want to be free. That's what history is about. It's not about homosexual rights or uh, this person's rights or those people's rights or anything like that. It's about people want to just be left alone to raise families, uh, engage in some sort of commerce, and live their life, right? But we constantly have these strong men at first, strong men, that come up and create a gang, and this gang wants to extort money from you for your protection, right? They want to take money from you because they say we're going to protect you and, and and this is this is this is what the history of the world is like and governments are just a continuation of that they're just uh, they've they've figured out a way to have fewer of them and have a more powerful government I mean one that can take in just ginormous sums of money and do unspeakable, acts of tyranny and, 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 do, and get away with doing it uh, by, doing, by saying that they're doing it in the name of the people. Uh, we got to fight them over there so we don't fight them over here and stuff like that. So this is just a, a gang. It's, if you want to know what America is like or what governments are like in general, they're just an organized gang that, that uh, asserts the right to uh, carry out violence in a particular area. That's what a government is
1: well yeah it seems like no matter what happens if you know we're kept safe well that just proves that we need a heavy footprint in the middle east ben shapiro's words heavy footprint in the middle east and if things are bad well that proves that we need to really get serious about this war on terrorism so no matter what happens uh covid numbers go up well, we need to have lockdowns, COVID numbers go down. Well, see, this is the importance of having lockdowns and mandates. There's no way to actually falsify this. And it's very classic that the elephant in the brain, so to speak, will attempt to rationalize almost everything that's in your self-interest. So it's not like we have this, well, we need to elect the right people or you know, just uh, erect a new party. Well, that could be you know great in the short run, as people like Javier Malay have shown us, that there can be tremendous benefits to that. As far as long-term solutions goes, it is a bit of a fool's errand to give people a monopoly on money creation, the right to conscript, the right to tax, the right to have a compulsory education and say, these people need to be regulated because once every four years, people are going to get a one in a million vote between, you know, two lying psychopaths. That's just not going to happen. So progressivism in and of itself is a, a bit of a fool's errand. And it's exactly what we should expect, just as corporations always want more power at least they have the genuine check and balance of allowing people to disassociate with them when they stop creating value. Politicians face no such check and balance in uh, society. So that's why progressivism was just so vitally important that I stopped having that as part of my life.
0: I absolutely just love this guy. I mean, I, there's absolutely no way I can improve on what he just said <laughs> other than to say when he's talking about progressivism, I, I, I feel like he's really talking about government, you know, um, You know all these things he said. You know when COVID when COVID numbers are up, that's good. What we're doing is working. When COVID numbers are down, that's good because we need to do more. You know, it's just like he said. There's no, there's absolutely no way to falsify any of this uh, information in real time. You that's why it takes so much time uh, to to get to the bottom of things because that's how long it takes for some of these independent journalists and these other people around the globe to figure out that they've been duped. And you know, so there's just really no way to improve on what he said. Uh, but but I would say that it's not just progressivism. Now he's really speaking about why he doesn't want to have that as part of his life. But really, government in general is is this way. I mean, what he's talking about is every four years, we get to vote on somebody, um, you know, to keep this all in check. But but what, you know if you notice it never works, right? We it doesn't matter who we vote for. It's like Tom Wood says, no matter who you vote for, you get John McCain, <laughs> and, and that's uh that's kind of the way it is, right? Um, because neither party is interested in giving up power. They're just they just want to be the the party that drives it. So think of the U.S. government as like a big giant bus, right? And the person driving the bus is the party and we're we're in the back of the bus you know along for the ride well the, the democrats and the republicans they fight over who gets to drive the bus but no matter who gets to drive the bus they're driving the bus right i mean it's not like it's not like all of a sudden the people uh get to take a turn behind the wheel or something so um yeah so i think keith just has a great uh, great way of explaining these things and I would encourage you to listen to that last segment. Just play it over and over and over again, just just to keep reminding yourself that these are these rights, these so-called rights we have, are only rights that we have because they they choose to let us have them. Right? There's no. I see these people in you know getting pulled over by police all the time, and they're asserting their rights. I know my rights. I know my. And you know, it's like, do you realize that you are yelling at someone who has a gun? and it's aimed at your head, or it will be soon? I mean, I think I think people misunderstand the idea of rights. You know, you're, you're dealing with a, an organization that can decide at that very moment to use violence against you. That That police officer can just decide, well, I've had about enough of this shit, and pull his weapon and start shooting. And you know what? Nothing's going to happen to him. They're going to say they felt threatened. They saw you put the car in drive and you felt in fear for your life. And that's that, you know what cop goes back to work and somebody puts you six feet under the ground. That's just the way it works.
1: The final one that we get is the short sightedness. You go in the free market. You just want to make a ton of money and you don't care what's left behind you. This was Hans Hoppe's great contribution to the idea of democracy where much for the same reason people don't take the time to change in oil in uh, change the oil in a rent-a-car, uh, very few politicians make sure that the state is uh, upkept in such a way that it's going to be beneficial for future generations. They're only there for a few years. They have to extract all the wealth, power, social status, and influence they can get until they're kicked out or until they can get a permanent job in the deep state. So, we constantly see this short sightedness all around us. You have Woodrow Wilson declaring war against Germany in 1917, 116,000 American deaths, uh, 2.8 million conscripts, you know, getting shot at, getting PTSD, getting their limbs blown off. And it was very beneficial for him uh, at the time, along with uh, Colonel Edward House, to gain that amount of social status and have that uh, amount of influence in uh, the Treaty of Versailles. He never had to face consequences for anything uh, that he did. This basically applies to any politicians who advocate wars. Uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, basically pushed and fabricated the uh, Gulf of Tonkin incident, the August 4th uh, incident of 1964, which never happened, justifying uh, further intervention into Vietnam, leading to things like Operation Rolling Thunder, Operation Bail Roll, the mass bombing and murder of millions of people in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. And because of the short-sightedness of politicians, they never had to pay a price, and actually, they're seen as heroes by uh, by many people. So all of these things do apply to the state as well as the market. But as Mike Munger points out, p- voters are way worse than consumers, even though they're the same people. But the consumer has to bear the cost of his bad decision making. That's why you're much more uh, benefit. It's much more beneficial to have people acting as consumers, where they have to bear the price, where they get the reward as opposed to being voters where they never feel the pain and seldom will apologize for advocating policies that uh, ruin the lives of millions of people. I told you
0: this guy was good, didn't I? Yeah. You know, the market, you know, is, is if, if I go buy something in the market, if I go buy a crappy car because I wanted to save $2,000 and the car's always in the shop. I mean, I don't have anybody to blame but myself. And nobody else bears the cost of that decision other than me. And that's the way it should be. You know, I should have done more research. I should have asked around. I should have negotiated something where I could return the car if it was, you know, if it was a piece of crap. Whatever. I could have done something to protect myself, right? The the government does something wrong, and there's just you know, like you look at the financial crisis in 2008, what, what happened there? The government broke everybody's leg and then offered them a crutch, right? They, they, they broke the market by saying the market's not working because some people aren't getting access to housing. Oh, oh my God. Well, maybe it's because they don't have any damn money. Maybe that's why they didn't have any access to housing. But instead of just letting that be, they decided to manipulate the system, threaten banks that they weren't going to be able to merge and do things that the banks wanted to do unless they started uh, making some special provision for people that didn't have any money. And next thing you know, CDSs are created, mortgage-backed securities are packaged, and these explosive toxic assets, they end up in uh, all kinds of different pension funds and uh, CalPERS out in California and in, in these teachers' pension funds in Chicago and, and even around the world, like in Ireland and uh, France and Germany and some of these other places. And the whole thing blows up. Nobody goes to jail. It's just investors lost a lot of money. The people, Barney Frank, people like Barney Frank, who did all that crap, never paid a price. Nothing ever happened to Barney Frank. Nothing happened to anybody in government. So they make dumb decisions, they pass a law, make everybody do it, regulate everybody, which is bad anyway. And then when it all blows up, guess who has to pay? Me and you. And that's just the way it is, man. Murray Rothbard said years ago, the government breaks your leg and then offers you a crutch. Oh, and what was the crutch? Oh, we gotta, we're going to have to go bail out these banks or else Main Street is going to collapse. You know, Main it's, Main Street's going to suffer. All a lie. Do you do you really think that there wasn't another bank sitting in the sidelines that that wouldn't have wanted to be in the next Goldman Sachs? There're probably a thousand banks that could have bought Goldman Sachs assets and be, become the new Goldman Sachs under new management. But they didn't allow it to happen. Instead, they let all these banks with these crappy ass- assets on their balance sheet sit around for decades now and drove interest rates to incredibly low rates, paid the banks reserves on interest and all this other stuff. And here we are with the biggest bubble we've ever had. And why did they do that? I have no idea. Probably so they could continue to sell U.S. Treasuries. That's my guess. But that's all going to blow up too. And you know who's going to suffer? Me and you. And that's just the way it is with government. And until people really kind of crystallize this, this idea in their head, it's going to continue. And that's why that's why I started this show, because I just don't think enough people really know the truth about what the government really does. And, and, and how it's just such a net negative for everybody and how much wealthier we would all be if we just didn't have it, if we just didn't have the burden of all of it. And you know, the reason I talk about these things is I want, you know, I want people to think about it. I want people to think, God, you know, he's right. Maybe, maybe if you hear enough of it, you'll start listening for the right politicians. Um, so that we don't, we don't get snowed like we did with Barack Obama. Um, anyway, that's, uh, I guess that's it for the show today. I appreciate you coming in. We're going to do some more Keith Knight, man, because I just love this guy. He, he is so good. Uh, I'm going to put a... a a link to his book. Uh, Again, another link to the Tom Woods show uh, for this uh, interview. And keep coming back and listening. If you do, I'll be here again to do it all over. Peace.